You are listening to an Elegant Weapon Podcast. What are y'all doing in here? We're smoking reefer. And you don't want no part of this shit. Hi, this is Ray Park. I play Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace, and you're listening to An Elegant Weapon. An elegant weapon for a more civilized age. This is a journey into sound. Welcome to An Elegant Weapon, episode 120. My name is Ras Jedi J. I am your host. Please excuse me while I flick my bick. Good times. Welcome back, everybody. Guess what this weekend is? It's New York Can-A-Can. I'm not there, unfortunately. Couldn't make it this year. Hope to make it next year. But guess what? Almost everyone I know made it this year. So it's unfortunate that I didn't make it, but uh, we'll make it in the future. But uh, we thought we'd celebrate right along with everybody anyways. Uh, I hope everybody has a good time, and good luck to everyone I know. Too many people, way too many people, uh, to mention numerous, numerous guests of this podcast uh, in the past are at New York City Comic Con. So bring up the show, mention to people an elegant weapon, and it may be a conversation starter, you know? If you walked up to Matt Mina, or, uh, you know, if you walked up to the Wayward Raven Boys, uh, you know, or if you walk up to the Action Labs booth, or if you walk up to Anthony Rutgazer, Jamal Eigel, Lee Moda, any of these individuals, uh, even Ryan Stegman if he's there, yo, uh, go say hello, uh, and say, hey, you were on an elegant weapon, and they'll go, yeah, or I don't remember, but whatever they say, it could be an icebreaker. So there you are. <laughs> it's good times. Uh, this week, what we're going to do to celebrate, even though we're not there, is we are featuring a guest that we chatted with last week, uh, who indeed himself is at New York Comic Con this weekend. His name is Michael Kingston. He is the writer of a comic book called Headlocked. I should say more graphic novel because it's an intense, heavy story. It's a it's a it's a wrestling opus, and uh, as you'll hear in this uh, conversation, uh, it's a really cool and original take on the wrestling comic book. It's been tried before, and from what I've learned, to uh, not great avail. So, uh, you know, this one's for all you wrestling fans. Uh, We don't talk about wrestling tons on this show, not that I have anything against wrestling. I have had huge uh, occurrences of wrestling fanaticism in my life at times, which you'll hear in the following interview. 
But uh, I, you know, he sent me this book. I had to read, and uh, it's really interesting. It's really cool. It's really in depth. So uh, for all you wrestling comic book fans out there, I really hope you enjoy my chat with Michael Kingston about his comic book Headlocked. Uh, there's a Kickstarter going on right now, and they're getting close to the end. I think they only got like 30% to go or something, and uh, it's a really exciting thing. So all you wrestling fans, put your tights on, lace up your boots, and get ready to meet Michael Kingston. He is the writer of Headlocked. Please enjoy. Oh, yeah! <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fun indeed. Where where are you out of? Whereabouts are you? I live in upstate New York. Oh, yeah? Cool, yeah, cool. Albany-ish. Um, I was born in Syracuse. Okay, cool. I've been down to the Utica area. Yeah, I went to college, uh, Hamilton College. Okay, cool. I was out there for Woodstock 99. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that was That's a trip. <laughs> Set fires. and. <laughs> yeah, we got out just in time, actually. Just uh, just before that started, you could just feel this vibe go like coming. And luckily, the guy I went with from here, my friend at the time, he... Uh, his uncle and grandparents lived in the area. So we were able to kind of bail and go back to their house and just drink beer and swim in the pool and watch the rest on TV as, as it went up in flames. You know? Right. So, yeah, it was it was pretty cool. Do you get around to a lot of cons then? or? I've done, uh, I want to say I've done eight this, maybe somewhere like in the neighborhood of eight this, uh, this year. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, maybe yeah. ten? I don't know, for the whole year. I mean, just this summer. I did Florida Supercon. San Diego, uh, Connecticut, Fan Expo, Boston, uh, Granite State, Baltimore, and then I got New York next week and uh, Vermont two weeks after that. Oh, that'll be nice, eh? We'll see. It's a first-year show, Vermont anyway. New York should be fine. I got Lawler and Hurricane Helms with me, so we always kill at that show. But uh, Vermont's a first-year show. I'm a little skeptical. It's, uh, yeah, this, they can go either way. I've, I've been to first years that are amazing, and I've been to first years that are just like, yikes. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so. And, uh, I mean, you know, it's during the Kickstarter, so it's cool to just get out in front of people. And my wife really likes Vermont, so it happens, it's, it so happens that it's on our anniversary weekend, so. Oh, well, that's nice. A couple days before and tool around Vermont and then just do the show and go home. That sounds like fun times indeed. Yeah, I'm going to be going down to uh, Pennsylvania for the Great Allentown Comic Con. And uh, the wifey's going to come along with me for that one. So that should be right. a nice little weekend away from the kids, you know. Is it a good show? Uh, apparently, it's only a like, second year show, I believe. Second or third year. And uh, a good friend of mine, Stan, he uh, of Nemesis Studios, they're down there. And he... Uh, He's kind of real hooked up with that con, and uh, he says it's a good time. And from what I'm heard, it's uh, fun. So we're gonna go check it out this year, and you know, maybe have have a little few chats with people and see what's going on. Uh, Nichelle Nichols will be there. Ohura. Yeah. So, yeah. You know, that's that's a draw enough. So you know, and I'm only in Toronto here. It's only like a four or five hour drive from here to Pennsylvania. So it's not you know. Sure. No, I'm uh, I'm all about. I drove to Toronto seven hours. Nice, nice. I went down to Motor City Comic Con in uh, Michigan in May, and that was that was like five hours door to door. Yeah, so it's nice, you know. It was my first American con actually, going down to Motor City. I've never been to a stateside con before. Any good? Oh yeah, it was amazing. That uh, Motor City was a highly impressive con. Um, there's, 
you meet so many cool people there, it actually blurs the lines of who's running the con and who's exhibitors and who's guests. And yeah, I met so many cool people. And it's not a huge con. Like, yeah, like most good cons, it's growing exponentially every year. And uh, but this one's still at a point where, you know, you can meet the people who are, you know, putting the thing on. And it was just so like felt like a family, like these people have known each other for so long and they've all fought together to like build this thing. And no, it was a really, really cool experience going down there. It's uh, I hooked up with friends drunk on comics. I don't know if you're familiar with that podcast. Uh, I've heard of it. Yeah, they're out of Michigan. They're fantastic, definitely. I always recommend giving them a listen, but they're good friends of mine. So we went down and partied the weekend with them. It was it was super cool. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was a good time. So let's start from the beginning. Headlocked. Um, give us like your your blurb. Give us your uh, your elevator spiel. Um, Headlocked is about a kid who's a theater major in college who falls in love with wrestling and. He uh, quits school, and it's his journey through the business, starting on, like, you know, day one. Um, kind of a cable drama feel to it. We examine the craft of wrestling through the eyes of a performance artist, but at the same time, he's sort of navigating the underbelly of the business, trying to get to the bright lights in the big stage. It's a, it's an intense story, man. It's uh, How long have you been working on this? Because it's, it's no little flimsy book, you know? Um, we've... Uh, We've done it for a little while. I mean, I think my first we put out some issues in 2008, um, and then I sort of, you know, I came into comics very naive. Um, you know, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life and a comic book fan my whole life, and traditionally wrestling comics have been really awful. So I thought I would write my own. So right, right on. You know, I go to shows and I talk to editors and be like, "Hey, listen, this is my idea and this is my business plan, and I have everything set up." And they're like, "Well, where's your art?" I'm like, no, no, I'm a writer. <laughs> They're like, well, you got to have art. I'm like, well, you're a comic book company, and I'm a writer. Wouldn't it make more sense for you to find an artist to match up with me? And this is sort of, again, my sort of naivete of the, the way the industry works. I'm like, nope, you got to get artists. So I get an artist. I'm like, well, we don't like this artist. Get a different artist. And then I got that artist. And, you know, we've put, we put a 120-page book together. Um, which was actually out before the book that uh, that you saw that you saw, um, and you know it's people were really interested in it. We do really really well at shows, but uh, you know how it is in comics. I think you know retail. You're not going to get any kind of retail or media support unless you're you know in with the big boys. It's there's a weird thing that I find in common that comics and uh, wrestling have in common. And you figure there'd be much more crossover than there actually is. And maybe there is fandom-wise, I don't know. But as far as like wrestling presence at cons, which has grown in the past few years and stuff, but they, they just seem to fit so well, yet they're both outsiders on their own in a way that, uh, you know, it's kind of intriguing that we haven't seen more of a mix, you know? So... Well, there's been there've been a lot of wrestling comics. They've just all been sort of licensed stuff, you know... Where people are clearly just trying to make a quick buck off of somebody's name. You know, there's an Ultimate Warrior comic, and WWE puts out a comic every couple of years. They take another stab at it, and you know, they're never about wrestling. They're about their wrestlers doing, you know, solving crimes or fighting, demons <laughs> or, you know, whatever else. So, you know, there's never. I don't know if there's ever been a book about wrestling per se. Um, so that's you know, and there's tons of people in the business that are wrestling fans. Um, 
you know, I mean, if you follow on Twitter, I mean, half of these guys are tweeting about him all the time. So it's, uh, I mean, half of the, half of the Marvel offices are giant wrestling fans. Um, so, I mean, there's definitely a crossover, but I just think most retailers getting burned over the years by, you know, awful wrestling comics, they're, you know, if you don't understand the difference, you just like, yeah, it's another wrestling comic. No one's going to buy it. Okay. I could dig that. Because, like, I do know, like, people who are interested in both. Like, uh, we have mutual friend, Anthony Kingdom James. Yes. And, uh, you know, he's got – it's weird because he's got comic buddies who are really into wrestling and vice versa. And uh, only now am I starting to see people start to do things together. And uh, that's why it's great that you have the – all these artists – or sorry, these writer blah, 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 blah. All these wrestler artists contributing to the book. That's just a fantastic idea, you know? Like well, it just shows that... another side to the talent that these people have, you know what I mean? No, I agree. And I mean, the theme of the book has always been like the heart of it has always been sort of wrestling as an art form. My whole life, you know, I think if you've been a wrestling fan for any length of time, you have to defend it to at least 50 percent of the population. So, you know, by making the character a theater major and then having him learn the business and you learn it through his eyes, it sort of gives people an insight into the sort of the art and the craft of wrestling, which is why I have wrestlers as artists. And that's why we, you know, for the last one, just to go on the nose with it we did a sort of a fine art cover to the book with a you know jerry did a norman rockwell homage that was really good yeah Yeah, and i I think it's you know wrestlers are amazing in a lot of ways i mean people have this sort of dim view of wrestling but all the guys are storytellers you know they tell their stories in the ring and some of them aren't even conscious of how good of a storyteller they are like you know, when you're out talking with them and stuff, they know how to, you know, when they're just telling you a story about, say, something that happened at a club the other night or whatever, you know, they know how to tell the build and, you know, you see it in everything that they do. And, uh, you know, I don't think they get enough credit for being artists. And that's sort of the the overriding theme of the book. It's wrestling to me is an art form in the way that it's it's hard to capture just like, you know quality in a comic book like i think that's why it seems almost like wrestling will go in and out of like it's always mainstream like it's always huge like billions of people love wrestling but as far as when the mainstream like media and people are paying attention it seems to have had obviously peaks and levels like i grew up in the 80s i was an 80s kid and it you know i remember of course you loved wrestling and they were like superheroes to us hulk hogan wasn't just a dude with skills because that guy has no skills yet he was our hero, you know what I mean? Like, mm. he, you know, he was just it. And for me, you fall out of it at a certain age, and I always did love, like, the Attitude Era. And for me, I think what I've noticed, and the reason at least I have trouble getting into wrestling now, is uh, there's a difference in how seriously it's treated. Like, in the 90s, and the whole Attitude and Stone Cold and that whole era, it seemed to be treated more seriously than I don't know if it ever has, you know? And I, I think it's 50-50. Yeah, um, I try to watch it now, and I just, I, it's the wrestlers. It's, it's, like, I still like to watch them wrestle. Like, they do some, obviously, it keeps evolving, and it keeps getting crazier, but just the characters, like, there's, there's no one that just has that draw of a of really believing them to me anymore like they used to, like the Stone Colds, you know? Sure. And the the business, I mean, sort of, I mean, ultimately sort of rises and falls based on that, you know. I mean, the peaks are always associated with a, with a guy, you know, the Hogan and Austin and Rock, 
you know, John Cena, like the businesses are, you know, you sort of look at the, the peaks and valleys in the business that are based on really who's, you know, who's on top and how well they connect to people beyond the hardcore wrestling fan base. Um, so there is definitely that, but, you know, one of the things, one of the traps that people fall into is thinking of wrestling as just WWE and just what's on TV. I mean, there's wrestling all over the country and it's not as easy to find, but there's amazing stuff being done all over the country in, uh, independent groups um i mean there's groups that do sort of more athletically based stuff like ring of honor but then there's people that do like crazy cartoony stuff um you know hood slam in oakland and uh shikara and uh based out of philly um you know florida supercon is a convention in miami and they do wrestling where they have uh indie guys come in and dress like uh comic book characters and they do wrestling at their convention and fun it's super fun you know there's there's a, wrestling can be a million things and it's sort of like comics in that it's dominated by a sort of singular aesthetic. Like everybody thinks of superheroes when they think of comics, but you know, obviously comics can tell, you can tell a lot more stories other than genre stories in comics, but people just think of it as, you know, people don't think of history of violence or road to perdition as comic book movies, but true, true, comics. Yeah. so, you know, ultimately comics is like code word for superheroes and wrestling is code word for WWE, but there's amazing wrestling out there all over the place. I mean, in Japan, you can watch like Japanese wrestling on Daily Motion, and it's it's some of the most amazing stuff you're ever going to see. I mean, you know, I've uh, well, I've gotten a closer look than I ever have since I started kind of going to Anthony's shows, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, actually seeing it, like going to the Rock Pile and seeing the shows that the Union put on there, and you know, not huge crowds, but right. you know, these. There's like 15, 20 people there who are just fucking into it. And the guys, it doesn't matter. There could be one person in the room or you could be in a stadium. And these guys are just giving it. Like, you know, they're performing like you just can't believe it. it, it Absolutely. They just, they just zone out. And if there's one person there, they're going to do their job. And they're going to, you know, do it to the best of their abilities. And that's one thing I really admire about the grinders, you know, the guys who are out there. You know, who have to like it's it's hard because you you wrestle a match and then you go stand behind a table and try to sell your own merch, right? You know, well, it's 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 really grinding it out for a passion that you love, just like many comic book artists nowadays. You know, it's sure. it's very akin to the levels because you know you can have such independent comics, such independent wrestling, right up to Marvel and DC, right up to the WWE. So. You know, everything with everything in between, how did you determine what you were going to zero on, like, in on? Like, what level did you kind of want to tell this story at in the wrestling world? I mean, I'd like to cover it all, ultimately. I mean, I will tell, I mean, I don't make any money off of Headlocked, and I really don't, honestly, I don't care. I just want to be able to make enough money to pay my artists and tell the story as long as I can. I mean, wrestling, to me, is amazing. All over the world, it's different everywhere. It's different in, in the UK. It's different in Japan. It's different in Mexico. Um, you know, it's different. It's just, I mean, even just regionally, it's different. I mean, it's different down south than it is up here and different on the West Coast. And I think, you know, as an art form, it's amazing. Um, and, I, and I, you know, I could tell this story. There's so many things in the wrestling business that are amazing. That, I mean, I could tell this story forever. Um, you know, so, I mean... Mostly, I mean, right now we're telling this the story of this character and his sort of coming of age, you know, in the in this business, and you know, I, that's sort of the front and center standpoint right now. Um, we're examining the older territories, um, 
in this particular arc, but, but uh, yeah, I wanted to take it everywhere. It's uh, it's cool how uh, these characters are are they're really full. You you really rounded it out because uh, you know there's not just your hero and your bad guy or you know any of that kind of simple setup. You've got you you know you've got people who are having to make choices and decisions and you know wrestling excuse the pun with uh, you know things going on and that's that's one thing i really enjoyed about the book is like uh you know you got people making mistakes people being human right uh, and that's that's a journey i mean you know i mean your story isn't anything if your characters don't evolve and i mean i think uh i've always found the wrestling sort of the backstage you know sort of wild west environment of wrestling would be a an interesting place for a sort of regular suburban kid to grow up in and uh you know, so playing with that, you know, the character will he'll definitely, uh, you know, Mike Harmon will definitely evolve over time. Um, we have a really cool shirt that we're uh, giving away as part of our, we're, you know, we're offering as part of our Kickstarter. And it's done like the uh, sort of the evolution walk where he's sort of sitting in a chair watching wrestling with popcorn and then hunched over carrying ring ropes. And, you know, he evolves and then he's, you know, you know, a big wrestler dude at the end. So it kind of gives you an idea of you know, his sort of career path. But uh, I think, uh, you know, that's the whole point of the story is for him to him to grow and, you know, to see all other kinds of interesting people. I mean, the business is filled with amazing people. Like, that's one of the best parts of doing this is getting to know all the wrestlers and know their stories and just get to interact with them because they're all amazing. It's, uh, yeah, especially the way kind of the wrestler has changed. Like, you talk about suburban kids and, uh you know, back when we were kids in the 80s and 90s, these are the kids who were growing up and idolized wrestling and wrestlers. And they're not all hulks. They're not all monsters or just giant guys like they used to be. You know, it's you see a lot of like the Hardy Boys, for example, coming up. I know that was, you know, they've been around for a while and everything. But just as an example of kids who just grew grew up and, you know, backyard wrestling where that kind of thing like came from you know so nowadays you got a whole different kind of wrestler people like uh cm punk you know what i mean like sure not a giant not you know but just figured it out figured it out well i don't have to be a beast to do this because there's more of an art form to it which oh, just some level too it's always been like that you just don't always necessarily remember those people but i mean cm punk is technically this generation's roddy piper you know smart oh, yeah, ass yeah. microphone but back, even even right? like even Rowdy Roddy looked like even though he looks smaller to Hogan and everything he was still you know I remember thinking he's a big dude like all these guys were just just like bigger than life you know what I mean they sure and that helps I mean and that sort of on some level I think that takes away from the business now I think like Twitter and stuff you know when you see you know people that you know sort of the mystique is lost a little bit you see people like tweeting like oh i'm so tired where's my coffee you know it doesn't really lend itself to superhero um you know that you sort of imagine all these guys being you know yeah it's 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 because plus like especially since the change happened with uh with uh movies especially in acting like so like it was you know they they did they tried their thing with uh no holds barred and all that but after the rock finally broke through and now you know with uh bautista and everything it's 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 a real different you know ball game in a way as to the mystique you're absolutely right like that's that's something that i think they're they're maybe struggling with trying to figure out right now you know as far as the wwe is concerned like 
you know, since the mystique is lost, how do we kind of fill that? And, uh, you know, that's been interesting to see when I've tuned in from time to time to see kind of, okay, who are people feeling now? Like, who, you know, what kind of mood are people in, you know? Well, I think one of the tricks is just maintaining yourself, you know, maintaining yourself. Like Steve Austin is himself. I mean, they, you know, you turn the volume up a little bit, but he's not hiding anything. He's not, he's not really playing a character. I mean, CM Punk, that's, that's him. You know, he was just him. And I think people respond to that and you don't have to pretend and you don't have to, you know, attempt to be authentic when you are authentic. And I think especially these days, I mean, people get, you know, this generation has been sold to in every conceivable way. And I think that people are, are savvy enough to recognize when people are selling them, you know, when uh, product placement or, you know, whatever. So I feel like authenticity is a very important, a very important thing for, uh, you know, because that's what people want too. What are you liking right now? Like, what, who are you into right now? Um, I watch a lot of, I watch a lot of independent stuff. I watch a lot of older stuff. The wrestlers themselves are amazing. Um, you know, but a lot of the storylines aren't necessarily, uh, aren't necessarily grabbing me. I mean, I think Bray Wyatt is amazing. Um, and, uh, I've always enjoyed Daniel Bryan. There's a lot of guys that are up now that I've, I followed, you know, from the Indies, Samoa Joe and, uh, variety of other guys but i mean like I, said, I watch a lot of independent stuff um i watch a little of everything really i mean i watch two guys in a high school gym like i really don't care i think that there's <laughs> there's value in everything um i do prefer to watch wrestling live versus on tv i think it's like jazz music you know like when you hear, when you when you go to a jazz concert you're like wow this is amazing but if you hear it like recorded it's elevator music you know it loses something when it's done when it's you know it's almost like you capture the soul of it when right, you record right, yeah. you know and I feel the same way about wrestling I mean and obviously you could probably feel that going to live shows it's just a different you have a different level of immersion you know with being up close to it and uh, you know not well, it's, like, it's more maybe, fun it's 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 plain it's more fun that's what I like you're almost even if if you're not a wrestling fan you're more forgiving when you see it live you're like look at these guys this is crazy like right. you know like you don't really get the scope of what these guys are doing in there until you do see it live i totally hear what you're saying i went to uh wwf oh what was it i can't remember but it was back in the 90s during the attitude area there at the exhibition stadium here in toronto and uh what a great show man it might have been a monday night raw i can't remember but it was what a great, it was amazing. Like I hadn't been to a wrestling show since I was like four or five, and I went to Maple Leaf Gardens and saw like Iron Mike Sharp versus Tito Santana. <laughs> and uh, I think, and that, that, I think yeah, that was really everyone's first match in some way. <laughs> totally. And uh, and then yeah, years later, when I was like I don't know maybe eighteen, nineteen, as I went I went to see that, and the energy was just insane, like just crazy, like. You know, it's one if you people haven't seen wrestling live and like you're not huge fans, like check it out live. It you will have more at least more respect for it for sure, you know. I uh no, I definitely agree with that 100%. Yeah, like uh these guys, they do they do some nutty nutty shit and, and it hurts. You know it's going to hurt like you know, and, and and it has gotten more in the public eye, like since movies like The Wrestler and stuff have come out, and you know we've seen our favorite old wrestlers, you know, from the '80s age and have their problems, and you see what it does to you. You know, the the general public, is, I think, is more now aware of the results and consequences of this career. You know. 
Well, and I think too, with all the added focus on like football and everything, I think just in general, I think people are, are definitely more focused on sort of the, the cost of, you know, collisions of bodies and whatnot. So, and that's a part of what I think is amazing about wrestling. And part of what I want to focus on in the book is, you know I mean? It is an art form and how much of these guys are, you know, are giving of their, of themselves for their art, I think is, uh, I think is a very impressive, uh, you know, it sort of puts them up there when it comes to artists, you know? How did you uh, meet? How did like? How did you figure out certain wrestlers were artists? Like, how do you know who to approach? Or did you just kind of put the word out and be like, you know, hey, I'm seeing this book. Like, it, did it start with Lawler, or like, was he the first one to be like, I'll contribute, or how did that come about? Well, you know, when I started, it was just I had a, my first book, and I was going to shows, and I would meet the guys who were into comics because they would be at the shows as fans. Um, Rob Van Dam came and bought a book from me. Uh, Hurricane Helms came and bought a book from me um, at San Diego Comic Cons. And then, uh, you know, we had put our we had put our first books out through Marcosia, and you know, I took a week off from work and I drove to every comic book store in three states. <laughs> um, I talked to every retailer, gave them a copy of my preview book. I was like, if you have wrestling fans, they're gonna like this. Every one of them said that they knew that you know they knew of multiple wrestling fans in their store that were regular customers, you know, and uh, but a lot of them were still like, yeah. I don't, you know, I don't carry indies and, you know, we only carry top 50 and whatever. So bullshit. It is. I mean, I, you know, I had so many people writing to me through my website, through, you know, um, social media, you know, how can I get this book? I want people, you know, and it's, I think it's hard sometimes to convince somebody to pay, you know, $4 to ship a $3 comic book. So it got easier when I had trades, but, you know, initially, that was that was always a problem. Like I, I feel like it cost me like a ton of sales, and I was like, I'm never gonna get any kind of traction. So I was like, well, let me let me. See. I know Jerry Lawler draws, so I'll email him through his website, you know, because that's a smart move. And oh, uh, take a shot, right? I mean, I forgot I did it after I did it. It was such a long shot, you know. And then I get an email back, and I'm like, ah, it's probably from his webmaster or whatever. And it was from him, and. Uh, he said, send me some books and I'll take a look at it. And I sent him some books and then he called me up. He said, yeah, I'll totally do it. And he's done three covers for me. Um, you know, we do conventions together all the time. We're doing New York Comic Con next week. Um, That's amazing. He's the nicest guy that you could possibly imagine. Like, I just, I watch that guy do so many things for so many people. Like, yeah, he's yeah. really a great person. Um, you know, just in and above what he's done, I mean. He's super famous. He doesn't have to do anything for anyone. But oh, yeah, totally. You know, and I wouldn't be anywhere without him. That's amazing. But, yeah. but he sort of added some credibility to the book. And then, you know, people would find me. Um, I remember, you know, the first words that Ken Anderson ever said to me was, hey, can I do a cover for you, bro? So, really? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, so, so, so start this over because uh, I'm not familiar with how the setup's been as far as issue-wise. So you, Headlock started as single issues? We did, yeah, we did uh, a one-shot, a 48-page one-shot, and then a three-issue miniseries that we collected into a single book. It's sort of like a prequel to what you had read. Okay. Um, and then, uh, and then I, you know, people said, you know, well, once you can get a trade's worth of material, you can talk to comic book publishers and, you know, don't have too much but have enough to prove that you can do it. So then, yeah, I spent time. I mean, there was a period of time where, like, I lost, like, a year of, my life to you know my mom died my father-in-law died uh, i lost my job like it was a it was a rough 
patch there. The in year between. that was shite. Yeah. <laughs> so then, but then I got, you know, I got back into it. I, I collected a trade. I went around. I talked to publishers. And, they, you know, you get the same sort of, the same sort of stuff I heard the first time. And, I mean, I'm selling books at shows. I mean, I know people are interested in it. You know, it's, it's, uh, here's, I'll tell you a story. I went to Toronto in 2008 with just my preview book, uh, the Fan Expo. Right. And I had a really bad experience at Fan Expo, which we can talk about later if you want. But, um, <laughs> I didn't come back until this year. This was the first time I've been back. Damn. And there were, I want to say, a half a dozen people who came up to me and were like, oh, you know, I bought this preview book in, you know, from the last time you were here, and I've been dying to see more. Damn. So, like, I know there's an audience for it, you know, but it's hard convincing. You know, obviously there's like five or six gatekeepers in comics, and if they don't like it, you're kind of, you know, piss out of luck. So, yeah. thankfully, with Kickstarter you know, that enabled me to sort of do an end around on that. And we, uh, we did a Kickstarter for the first book and it was, uh, it was really successful. So, you know, that allowed me to, to produce more content. Um, you know, in that, in that time period, I met, a I met, a art, my artist who's a, who's a wrestler himself. Um, he came to San Diego and bought my first trade and then, you know, was like, Hey, look, I do this. And I was like, Oh, Hey, you want to be the guy? Nice. So, uh, <laughs> Our first book was done by Randy Valiente, who does stuff for Dynamite now. I mean, he's a really great artist, but I mean, ultimately, he he didn't know a lot about wrestling. Um, so we have a, have much more of a collaborative effort now with uh, with Mikel. Oh so, yeah, when he's done it himself, I mean, right. And he adds so many little nuances, you know, that even stuff that I probably don't see that you know for the, for the guys in the business to get a feel for, and I think that's. Uh, you know, it just adds to it adds to the authenticity of it, and then it just sort of you know the whole theme of wrestling as an art form is is even more strengthened when ninety percent of the art is done by wrestlers. Absolutely, that's yeah, that just makes total sense because you know it's not like Superman will ever draw Superman, right? Right, right, right. So you can get a particular in depth you know look and feel into this, which is what you feel like. You know, I feel totally like. You get that impression that these are guys who kind of, you know, they love wrestling. This they didn't just pick wrestling to do a story about, you know. So right, and that's the cool thing about the book is that everybody, like all the wrestlers that contribute to the book, love comics, and all the artists that do it love wrestling. Like, you know, I have wrestlers that come up and say, "Hey, can you put me in your book?" And I mean, I'm not trying to put <laughs> you over or anything like that. I mean, I'm not trying to sell action figures. Like, we just want to tell a cool story. So. You know, if a guy can name me a couple of Avengers that aren't in the movie, then, you know, maybe we'll talk. But <laughs> We'll see where the conversation goes. <laughs> right. um, see, I'm, we're, we're kind of spoiled here in Toronto because uh, not only, A, do we have a multitude of comic book shops. I mean, there's LCSs in every L, you know what I mean? Like, uh, mm. it's crazy. And uh, they're all very very good for independence if i can't find something somewhere they'll order it or go to another place but my shop altered states is good in particular like i'll often think that i have to order something or was you know be like oh i forgot to order that or you know get them to get it and they'll have got it and uh same thing with first hero with anthony's book i did <laughs> i totally did because i got copies from them right right or sorry from him so uh i was good and then i went and i saw it on the shelf and i was like right on you guys you know, their whole top, they got, you know, your typical, like, new release wall, but the whole top shelf is indies. And uh, it's always exciting to see what news coming out and getting put out. And, you know, Unfortunately, there's too few retailers that are like that. I mean, not to, and I look, I'm not. 
Oh, um, yeah, that's why I say I know we're spoiled here. I mean, I hear of other people's horror stories with comic shops, and I'm just like, yikes. Like, Not to mention the fact that it's pretty much the greatest burger city I've ever been to. Oh, wow, it's funny you say that. Uh, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a burger I'm a burger freak. I had six burgers when I was in for Fan Expo. Oh, shit, dude. Okay, next time you're up here, check it out. Uh, I was doing a contract working in Toronto, and I was working all over Toronto, right? Mm-hmm. And me and the guy that were working, what we decided was that for the whole winter, every Friday would be Fresh Burger Day. Mm. And we would try a different, like, gourmet or at least fresh burger joint every Friday throughout the city. And uh, by the end of the city, we were pretty sure we would figure out what the best burger in Toronto was. And this wasn't just like they would do on a TV show or reality. We went to like 30 different fucking burger joints, like Burgers Priest, Kraft Burger, you know, like right. South Street. Just went, ran the gamut. And we finally oh. found, which we know is the greatest hamburger joint in Toronto, Ontario. Which is? It's at Queen Street and Broadview, and it's called The Burger Shop. And S H O P P E. Yeah, I saw that. And stop, but I went to six different places, but that was not one of them. That place, and I think they actually might open a second location in the Bathurst area, but that place is hands down the absolute most comatosing hamburger I've ever eaten. Just all around. Like, you're full, but you're not busted, hurting full. Your flavor is just. Your taste buds are ringing by the end. Like, I can't even tell you how good this hamburger I've, is. I've done a, a tour. I've actually kept a list. I'm on 20, 26 burgers for the summer. Um, That's awesome, dude. <laughs> different places that I've been. Um, but Toronto was definitely some of the best. I'm glad to hear you say that because I definitely agree. I think Toronto is a fantastic burger city. <laughs> I, I can't even believe it, honestly. I mean, listen, I, I live where I live. I I can't even tell you. I had one good burger. There's one good burger here in this entire city, and it's uh, it's not even a place that's – they're in a far, they run like a farmer's market stand. Okay. So I can only get it occasionally. Like I can't even go like when I want to. So everything else is oh. just brutal. So – I am definitely very jealous of your uh, of your living situation. <laughs> it's uh, I'm very blessed. I am very lucky to live. Uh, I don't think I can handle living right in Toronto. I live in Mississauga, which is the city right next door, and uh, you know in the suburbs and stuff. But having Toronto right there, you know, for like just whatever it is—shows, music, sure. you know, Comic Cons, burgers—it's it's so nice to you know live near a major city right like right now it's really hard in toronto i'm sure you noticed uh the traffic situation and the construction yeah. situation is really really dismal right now like it sure was yeah people are about to seriously start freaking the fuck out like <laughs> there's gonna be traffic riots in toronto soon i swear to god but uh you know that that other than that you know fantastic city to to live near very very i was a, i was one of those shows where i left and i i felt fatter though like <laughs> I was, yeah. like, I was like, I have actually gained. I know I've gained weight in these four days. Like I can feel it. Like just enough. You know, it's bad when you you get fat enough that you can feel it. That you got. Like, oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Like three days ago, I didn't feel this fat. <laughs> I was like, oh man, you know, I had the the burgers with the grilled cheese buns at Holy Chuck, and uh, you know, 
yeah. and all that. So hey, I had the guys from Drunk on Comics who they came down from Michigan and they were there, and uh, I had them try poutine and Caesars for the first time. Mm. And uh, I'm not sure if you know what a Caesar is. I don't. Uh, Caesar is it's kind of uh, Canada's version of uh, a Bloody Mary. Okay. But uh, but it's different. I can't remember what to tell you is in it exactly right now. But it's made with a whole bunch of liquors and stuff and uh, and uh, clamato. Uh, and I'm not a big tomato juice guy, so I, I'm not big in clamato. But people absolutely love it. It's like rimmed with like celery salt. And hmm. It's it's weird because people love it, and for some reason, it's a pure Canadian drink. Like no one outside of Canada knows about this drink. I mean, it sounds kind of awful. I mean, it, I'm sure it's probably great, but it doesn't. You know what I mean? It doesn't have like the most appealing ingredient list. It's uh, if I said the liquors, I think there's I can't even remember it all, so I'm not even gonna try. But when people hear it and taste it, like they just love it. Like people will drink eight for breakfast on a Saturday by the pool around here, you know. Sure. And uh, so I had them try that and poutine, but it was unfortunate because we went to an Irish pub and they didn't have like straight up proper poutine. They had like uh, lattice fries with like you know. Mm. Like, not so much cheese. I was just like, that's not quite a proper poutine, but, you know, whatever. Try it anyways. <laughs> <laughs> the Holy Chuck one was really good. I enjoyed it immensely. That's good. It's best when it's, like, your typical, like, big, thick-cut fries and giant cheese curds and just fucking thick-ass gravy poured on top, you know? I am all about it. <laughs> that is that is totally the best. Have you ever thought about or tried wrestling yourself? Or You know, when I was younger, I mean, I'm... I'm an old, I'm an old ass man. So, uh, you know, when I was younger, you know, it was pre-internet days. Like you didn't really know where to, you know, where to go for something like that. I think if I was, I was like 10 years younger, I probably would have had a very different life. Cause I'm pretty sure I would have given it a shot. I mean, that's kind of how I felt like about comics. I mean, I have a biochemistry degree and I'm, you know, a blue collar supervisor. So I'm not, you know, I trained myself to write. I probably, you know, I have that sort of DIY mentality. Um, I'm pretty sure I probably would have given wrestling a shot, but, uh, you know, I mean, I played football for a lot of years and I've worked on concrete for many years. So, I mean, I'm pretty beat up like physically just, you know, from living life. So, oh, I hear you. I, I'm an arborist. I, uh, I'm a tree climber by profession. Oh, wow. And I've, uh, almost been doing that about 15 years. And yeah, I've taken a few bumps and bruises myself, so I totally, I totally hear you. It starts to get creaking. It sucks, like thinking back. Eh, hindsight is, you know, everything. But man, if I knew what I knew when I was a kid, I'd be the one making the new Batman Superman movie or the Star <laughs> Wars movie. I tell you that much. <laughs> I hear that. But you know, it's cool that we at least are living in an age where. Things like Kickstarter now give you the ability to try and put out a comic book, or things like podcasting can fulfill a certain creative outlet that I maybe didn't get to fulfill, you know, back when I was a kid and wanted to get into acting and making movies and, you know, radio and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, it's, it's, like it's a, never too late. It really isn't. I think it's like a market correction, too, you know, on some level. Like, I feel like, I mean, our first Kickstarter, we raised $27,000. So, holy shit. <laughs> people really people like what, you know people like what we're doing i think we're up to we're close to twelve thousand right now oh um, my god <laughs> so people you know what i mean people like what we're doing and i had every comic book publisher in the world tell me that wrestling fans don't read wrestling fans can't read uh oh. 
nobody's going to buy this. Um, you know, I'll tell you, a, a local a local comic book store, you know, when I had my first book, just, you know, usually you think like your local shop will say, hey, you know, we'll put this on the shelf for you. And he told me, right, he goes, nobody's ever going to buy this. He goes, I don't want to be rude. And the kid that he had working for him goes, I'll buy one from you right now. And he handed me money, and the guy still wouldn't put it on the shelf. Wow. So, like, we've we've had to fight through a lot of, you know, the wrestling stigma. You know, like, we're sort of double independent. You know, if the book was a WWF-sponsored book, we'd get picked up by somebody. Or, you know, if we were Marvel and DC or, you know, even Image or Dark Horse, whatever. I mean, we'd be on shelves. So, you know, yeah, both, yeah, both yeah. businesses are very brand, uh, you know, the, the brands are very sort of omnipresent. So yeah, of course. Yeah. It's very, very hard to get around that for sure. But Kickstarter, Kickstarter gives us a way to get this book out. And I think people have really enjoyed what we've done. I mean, a lot of wrestlers like the book, um, well, $27,000 worth of people have fucking thought it was something. So, <laughs> you know what I mean? We've attracted, you know, I mean, like, I think it's cool. Like Joe Lansdale went out of his way to tell me that he really liked it, which is amazing to me. Um, right. Right. You know, like, I think, I don't know, I just want to be able to, to sell enough books, you know, essentially through Kickstarter to be able to, you know, put out these nice fat trades. Um, you know, we've got some comic book heavyweights in this one. It's not just wrestlers. Uh, Jill Thompson does our credits pages. She's a big wrestling oh, fan. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, ben Templesmith is doing a pinup for the next one. Uh, Ramon Villalobos, uh, Jamal Igel, and uh, Jamal's you know, rad. Yeah, and Box Brown that did the uh, Andre the Giant uh, biography comic that was uh, a big deal last year. They're all doing pinups for the book in addition to all the wrestlers that we have hooked up. So uh, that's a nice. You know, we're definitely getting yeah. people's attention. It's just getting in front of enough people to make it. You know, we just want to sell enough to be able to keep producing it. You know, dude, uh, do what you got to do to send shit up here because uh, I think there's. I, I think that part of that audience you're looking for is definitely in these parts. Because just massive wrestling community. Yeah, it's wrong. It's a huge wrestling city. Yeah, yeah. And I sold, I sold really well at Fan Expo. Oh, that's good to hear. I, I wouldn't be surprised at all, for sure. Because you know, that's a lineup. And what I would like people to know, like, because uh, uh, what I got out of the book was uh, the things we've talked about. But also, I don't want the audience to think that when you say it's a wrestling comic book, it's not. Like obviously, you've already explained that it's a guy's journey into sure. and through wrestling, but it's taken very seriously. It's uh, it's treated with respect. It's not it's not hammy. It's not cheesy. It's not uh, overly dramatic. It's not too heavy handed. Do you know what I mean? It's a uh, it's a true to life or could be a true to life story. You know what I mean? So I just want people to know that. That's that's what I would say. I'd say. You know, if if you if you like wrestling and you want to take a serious like you know someone someone who respects wrestling and gives a serious outtake on it, I think this is definitely a book they'll enjoy. You know, I always tell so. people if they like the movie The Wrestler, if they like cable dramas, you know, that's kind of how I try to write it. You know, I'm a big fan of cable dramas. Um, <laughs> we try to write each episode or each issue like an episode of television. Uh, okay, he learns. He learns a little piece about wrestling in every in every episode, you know, to sort of you know, sort of building the framework of the house, sort of so to speak. Right, right, yeah. It's uh, does uh, sorry, what's what's your artist's name again right now? Mikel Molapola. Mikel Molapola. 
Yes, he's from New Zealand. That is fun to say. That is so New Zealand. Um, <laughs> does he ever uh, contribute as far as uh, like if uh, you know, say he gets some script from you, will he? Will because he's been a wrestler, will he ever kind of be like, oh, this might work better if it was this way, or you know, is he able to really bring that like to a forefront, or do you think it just kind of comes more out in his artwork? I mean, I think he could. I just, I mean. I haven't really had to get a lot of advice from people so far, um, you know, or input. I mean, I've just been, you know, the story is about 99% mine. I did, I did have to ask if it was, if it was humanly possible for one person to set up a ring. Um, cause I wasn't sure. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, know. that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, you know, is it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was, uh, you know, we, we did that in the second issue, um, you know, as part of him sort of paying his dues. Right. Um, okay. But, uh, that's, uh, you know, it's, it would be hard, you know, <laughs> pretty much everybody <laughs> said it's, it's probably possible. I don't know if anybody's ever done it. They're like, I don't know who would make you do it unless you're a real dick. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your fan expo horror story? Oh man. In 2000. So I think it was 2008 and I had my, I had my preview book and, uh, it was the third show I had ever done. So I did, uh, wizard Philly and I sold a ton of books out of Artist Alley. It was just, you know, I wasn't hooked up with anybody yet. And then I did Wizard Chicago. And I think I sold somewhere like 150 preview books wow. in a weekend. And it was my second ever show. So I'm riding high and I'm like, oh, you know, everything's <laughs> going. So I did Fan Expo. And the way it used to be set up was they had the, the sort of the sections. And then the Artist Alley was all the way across the back. So yeah. like we were we were on the hor- the end of the horror section. And there was a carnival barker for a freak show and a satanic priest on the other side on the, on both of the corners. And like, just nobody was coming down our aisle because they were scaring everybody away. So then like, I'm not selling anything. And you know, obviously there's a huge anime population there and there's a lot of gamers and stuff. So like, you know, I'm thinking all these people, I'm going to do what I did in Chicago. So I'm not really selling a lot of books. I go out to dinner that night. I get sick. I leave my bag there. My cash box gets stolen. I go back the next day and I go to leave and I've got my long box full of books on my hand cart. And I still to this day have no idea how it happened, but the long box like exploded at the top of the escalator and all of my books fell out like on the top of a packed escalator. And people were like walking across my books because they had to because there was no place to stop. And I was just like, I'm never going back to Toronto again oh, as long as <laughs> Dude, that is like the was, worst story I've ever heard. <laughs> it was it was a brutal, brutal I mean, you know, I drove seven hours to get there and you know, I had brought my wife because you know, it was the first show she had ever come to and it was Oh just no, you just which, keep piling it on. Yeah, it was it was a bad but luckily this 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 trip this trip was a big success. We made a lot of money. I had some great burgers. Oh, sweet. You know, I'm so ones. happy to hear that, man. It's just like a demon. You know what? That might be a, like a one-shot on its own, man. <laughs> like you might want to make – you might want to write that down and like get that made as like a one-shot comic and put that out there because that would be fucking hilarious. Like it's very unfortunate and devastating, but so horrific that it's almost funny. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's funny that I can kind of, kind of laugh at it. But yeah, it, it wrecked me for a little while. Wow. So did you notice uh, quite a difference in the attendance at Van Expo between the years? I guess. Eh? 
Yeah, I mean, there was still, I mean, it was a huge show back then, too, though. I mean, it's obviously gotten even bigger. Um, oh, God, it's insane, yeah. But uh, it was good. I mean, you know, a lot of people came by, and a lot of people were into the book, and, uh, you know, it was uh, it was a good experience. So I'm trying to get Jerry to come next year. That would be cool, because there's been lots there in the past. Uh, it was I think it was last year, Hacksaw and Honky Tonk were sharing a table. And uh, right. the year know, I the year I came, there were no wrestlers. There were no wrestlers. The first year I came, there was zero wrestlers. Oh wow! So I, it was kind of. Weird. I'm not sure if there were any there this year. I wasn't really paying attention. Yeah, they had Hulk Hogan there and Batista and uh, Trish Stratus and Lita. Yeah, that's right. Because they had uh, they had some cool moments actually. I don't know if you saw they had some cool photo moments together, Lita and. And what's her name there? And Trish Stratus, yeah. I've, I've talked to her once or twice. She is a sweetheart. Trish Stratus is like the nicest lady. You know, she probably yeah, pissed off if I called her a lady. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, so uh, let's uh, let's uh, share the details with the fine people as far as uh, what's the Kickstarter under and uh, how many days we got. What's the, what's the information? Um, we're just about uh, halfway we're about twelve thousand dollars now. Um, we're trying to get twenty. Um, the book, uh, the money goes to pay uh, pay all our artists. Um, I like I said, I've made a dime off of it. Uh, international shipping is quite the beast, um, and uh, I use a, a printer based out of Nashville. I mean, I could probably save a few bucks if I went to China, like a lot of people do, but. I got a really good printer in Nashville, and he's been really good to me. And I don't want to take my business from him, so Absolutely. you know it may uh, it may cost a little bit more than the overseas guys, but I think ultimately the book will get there faster, and it's worth it. Yeah, that's that's good on you. It's good to keep some things at home, definitely for sure. So, uh, and they'll find it on Kickstarter, just under Headlocked. That's all they got to look for. Kick, Kickstarter.com. It's it's Headlocked, the last territory, volume two. Um, if it, you know if you weren't in for volume one. There's tiers where you can pledge to get Volume 1, either by itself um, to start out, or you can get both books. So, uh, you know, there's no reason to let, uh, you know, if you, if you haven't gotten on, you can get on at a place that's comfortable for you um, at, a variety of, uh, at a variety of price points. Very cool. Um, everybody, that's Michael Kingston. He is the writer of Headlocked. If you're into wrestling and you're into comics – you need to read this book. It was very entertaining. It's a good read. It's a hefty read. It's uh, just a dramatic read. And uh, if you're any, into any of this stuff, you're definitely going to enjoy it. And make sure to uh, keep your eyes out, obviously, because uh, this fella here, he gets around to conventions occasionally. And uh, you might find him there, I guess, yeah? You got anything yes. coming up? Are you um, done for the year? Or? We got New York next week with uh, Jerry and Hurricane and then uh, Vermont. And I'm toying with the idea of doing one in Memphis with Jerry just because I'm really, he's got a Batmobile and I really want to ride in it. Oh, does he really? Yeah, he has like an old, you know, Adam West Batmobile. Uh, he drives it around. And plus, you know, he's going to kill at a con in Memphis. Like, you know. Well, he uh, does so many of them, though, you know. Oh, that's true. So. That's that's actually kind of how I look at, like, people talk about how uh, David Finch and uh, Jason Fabok and Ty Templeton and all these people are, they're like, Oh, you know, because they're they're local boys, right? All these guys, and they're right, at right. every con around here. And I've, you know, I. I Templeton was right in front of me. 
Yeah, it's like, I get so used to them being there, but then I'll talk to people from other areas in the States or whatever, and they're like, you know, oh my god, did you talk to them? And I was like, yeah, for like the last eight years straight, probably, <laughs> like, or at least just walked by and was like, hey man, you know, like, it's true, you get used to that is, kind of thing, so. Uh, one it's, more thing I do want to let people know. Absolutely. Just quick, uh, is that uh, the version of the book we make through Kickstarter is like, a book that is not available elsewhere. So like sometimes people are like, Oh, I'll wait and get it from a convention. Like the Kickstarter is very important for us. So we try to give the people that back us something that they can't get anywhere else. So all the stories and art by the wrestlers are only available through the Kickstarter books. And we might have like, you know, 20 or 30 books extra that we overprint, but for the most part, we're only printing what the Kickstarter orders are. The books I sell at shows are just, you know, they're five chapters of headlock, which are awesome in their own right. Don't get me wrong, but you know, uh, you get another like 30 to 35 pages of bonus material, you know, for the same price that you would get to buy it from me at a con if you back it through Kickstarter. So we really try to go out of our way to, to reward the people for helping us, you know, kind of when we need it the most. Wow. You guys are all ethical and stuff. <laughs> you guys, you guys are running a very honorable business over there. So, uh, that's pretty cool. So if you want to read that headlocked, uh, you got to go to Kickstarter, kids, and uh, support comics. And get out there and go to a wrestling show. They're at churches. They're at legions. They're at uh, schools, you know. Like, just pay attention, and they're they're all over the place. Next time you see one of those black and white f- uh, flyers on a lamppost, you know, maybe take a second look and... You know, they're usually fairly cheap to get into, and they're, you know, a night of good entertainment. Take the kids, you know. it's It doesn't have to all be in giant stadiums to enjoy, you know. I've, I've totally seen it done in churches and stuff, so. So, uh, Michael Kingston, thank you very, very much for hanging out tonight and uh, sharing all the goodness that is headlocked with the people. Thank you very much for having me. I, uh, I appreciate it immensely. No, it is absolutely my pleasure. Kickstarter, headlocked. Go check it out, kids. Uh, That's all we're going to have this week on An Elegant Weapon. Take it easy.